Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 5th, 2018. Ten-game slate, uh, one that I probably won't be able to play because in in theory I'm supposed to be flying tomorrow night going back home from Florida, but it might not happen because the weather's pretty shitty right now. But even if I am available to play, this doesn't look like a great slate as of now, but always could change because we could find out tomorrow morning that like six star players are out and there's a ton of value. But for right now, first game on the slate is the Pistons at the Sixers. And this is one spot where we could have potential value. Andre Drummond is questionable. If he's not able to play, then it's going to probably mean another start for Boban. He didn't really play a ton of minutes against the Heat last game. But per minute, he's just so good in terms of fantasy production. Real life, he kind of leaves a lot to be desired as an actual player. A lot of people look at Boban just say, he should start for every team just play 30 minutes. The issue is he really can't guard anybody on defense because he's this gigantic Serbian human being who has ginormous just feet and a huge body, and he doesn't move very well. So he gets destroyed by small ball lines, which we saw a little bit last game. And if he's starting in place of Drummond, I just think that Joel Embiid would just completely tear apart in this game. He's not going to want to go out on the perimeter to guard, to guard Embiid. If he tries to get up close on Embiid, Embiid's literally going to walk around him for layups. So if... Boban is starting, then Drummond is probably my favorite player on the entire slate to pay up for. Uh, you mean Embiid, right? I think you said Drummond. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> then, then Embiid would be my favorite player to pay up for. Yeah, and I do agree that Embiid would be the best guy to pay up for. Um, do you think it's possible that Eric Moreland gets extra minutes instead of Boban because the matchup is just such a nightmare against Joel Embiid? And Boban was the better play than Moreland because he just does so much more when he's on the court in their last game when Drummond was out. But they were both min price for that game. For this one, Moreland is still min-price, but Boban is priced up to 4600 So I do like Boban, but I think it would make sense to have some exposure to Moreland also. But either way, I think using Embiid makes a lot of sense. And then maybe even Dario Saric if the Sixers go small ball with Saric at center to counter the Boban lineups. Yeah, I think the only issue I have with Moreland is that he only played 18 minutes last game. Uh, so they played some Moreland at center. They played some Boban, and then I think Ellenson also got some minutes. So I think it's just not enough minutes for Moreland. But at min-price, like if you really want to say, like, hey, I think Embiid gets Boban in foul trouble, it would make sense to use Moreland, but that lineup would probably have to not have Boban in it. Yeah, there's no way that it would make sense to use Moreland and Boban together. But I don't know. Overall, I think Boban is the better play, but Moreland could be a good contrarian play because I do think Boban will be really high-owned. Also, he was 25, he was in the 25 to 30% ownership range last game. And even though he's more expensive, it was also sort of a last minute injury update that came from Drummond with 30 minutes before lock. So I don't know, Boban could be even higher owned than that. And for GPPs, I think maybe using some Moreland would make sense. But if Drummond is out, this game is really stackable. I think Bradley and Tobias Harris and Maybe Sarich. Um, I don't know about Ben Simmons and Robert Covington, but maybe just the front court guys from the Sixers and then a few different guys from the Pistons who get more usage with uh, Drummond out. Yeah, I actually I do agree that I think that even though Boban's price has gone up, uh, was it 1300 or 1600 and he's a more difficult matchup, I would figure he's higher on this game than he was in the last game. Uh, so next game on the slate, the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Boston Celtics. Really tough matchup for the Timberwolves. Celtics are one of the best defensive teams in the league. They've kind of been going back and forth between like one and two in defensive efficiency. They're number one right now. 
so for Minnesota, uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, it's, it's just too tough of a matchup for me to consider using. I think there's better places to pay up. And then from the Celtics side of the game, let's see, what are the prices on these guys? We have Kyrie Irving at 8200 uh, Horford 7400 It's It's a lot of just fair pricing for me. Kyrie Irving really hasn't shown a lot of ceiling this year. He's had a pretty high floor, except 8200 also still, I don't really think a great price tag for him. This is a game that I think is fade worthy. Well, something that you've mentioned over the past few days is that when there's a key injury and a backup takes over the starting role, usually that backup will be really high owned for the first game, maybe two games. And then people kind of forget that that player is a really strong value play. And I think that could happen with Tyus Jones. And also his price has dropped for some reason. Maybe he's just priced down for the matchup. But since he gets his stats mostly from defense and then just volume of minutes, he's not really scoring much anyway. I think the 4900 price tag for him is probably too cheap. And I don't think he'll be particularly high-owned um, just because he hasn't been great in the last three games. Uh, he's made four starts. He was really good in the first one. The last three have been just sort of modest. So, I don't know. Tyus Jones could be fairly contrarian, even though he is still the Wolves' starting point guard. Yeah, I think as a GPP play, maybe he would make some sense. Because, yeah, he does play a lot of minutes, and he is a point guard. It's sort of the issue to me of it's a tough matchup. And he really hasn't been particularly good. Like, I thought he was a really good value at 3400 But now with the price up, I just think that it's it's a totally different situation for me. So... Since moving into the starting lineup a few games ago, he's averaging uh, like 18 fantasy points per game. So, yeah, I could see there being maybe some upside there. But I think there's probably going to be better plays on the slate. Well, it's 18 fantasy points per game over his last three, but he did have the one start before that four games ago where he had 28 fantasy points. So the I think the overall average is something like 23 per game. Um so at his price, I guess that would make him just kind of a fine play, but nothing special. Yeah, he did have some bigger starts earlier in the year. Uh, it's it's just more of an issue of the matchup for me. The Celtics are just so good on defense. All right, fair enough. All right, next game is the Toronto Raptors, the Milwaukee Bucks. This game actually is one of the higher over-unders on the slate, but that's not really saying much. It really has more to do with there's just a ton of slow-paced games. Uh, once again, I think that if you're going to use one of the Raptors guards for this one, I think Kyle Lowry makes a little bit more sense than DeMar Rosen just because of the price discount. DeRozan's been really, really good the last few games, but Lowry at 7300 I think is a bit too cheap for him, and then DeRozan at 8900 is probably a bit too expensive for him because he's probably going to be guarded by a combination of Giannis and Chris Middleton in this game. Uh, other plays, I think some people might want to roster DeLon Wright. He was ridiculous the last game, but... I, overall, I think that Dion Wright's a solid quality NBA player, but that last game is a bit of an outlier performance, and I'm fine with staying away from him at 4,500. The big man situation for the Raptors, just a minute to two spread out. Ibaka plays some minutes, Valanciunas plays minutes, Pirtle plays minutes, Siakam plays minutes, sometimes uh, Noguera plays minutes. It's just too many guys to pick from. So for me, it's really Lowry from the Raptors side of the game. From the Milwaukee side, uh, Giannis had had a little bit of a down spell recently. His usage is down since the Bucks acquired Eric Bledsoe, but he kind of broke out of the funk a little bit last game. He was around 60 fantasy points. 10,700, I think it's fine to use him. 
Uh, I would prefer to pay up for Embiid still, obviously, if Boban's starting. And then Middleton, Bledsoe, not really a ton of interest there, just because, once again, this is a pretty tough matchup. The Raptors are, I think, sixth in the NBA, and uh, fifth in the NBA in defensive efficiency. So before I weigh in, I'll ask you, if Drummond is playing, who do you have higher, Embiid or Giannis? Or is it close enough where you'd probably just want exposure to both of them? Uh, In that case, it would probably be Giannis. Yeah, I think so, too. Even though Drummond isn't that good defensively, I mean, he's obviously a lot better than Boban. So it's it's not that Embiid would have a bad matchup. It's just he wouldn't have that unbelievable matchup that we're potentially looking for. Um, Yeah, DeLon Wright... When he was cheaper, he was someone I rostered a few times. He was in the mid-3,000s for a while, and he's coming off a 60 fantasy point game, so his price has gone up to 4,500. Obviously, if he scores 60 fantasy points at 4,500, he's an incredible value, but that's uh, that's not something you can really expect him to replicate. And his minutes aren't really even consistent either. The Raptors have so many useful bench players. Um, in the last game against Milwaukee just a few days ago, they were playing Fred Van Vliet down the stretch, um, they were playing a small ball lineup to match Milwaukee's small ball lineup with Valanciunas and John Henson both on the bench. So Van Vliet was the guard that actually played at the end of the game, not DeLon Wright. Um, so they have both of those guys. I guess they're both the backup point guards, I guess kind of the backup shooting guards. But then C.J. Miles is there and then a few of the other guys you mentioned. So yeah, you can't really count on anyone on Toronto's bench. And I think at the same time, you can't really count on Jonas Valanciunas, even though his price has gone down. Um, his minutes have just not been stable, except in games where Ibaka doesn't play. And Serge Ibaka is supposed to play in this game. So unless Ibaka's out or something, then Valanciunas, I I don't really think... Maybe he has GPP upside because he has gotten cheaper and the Bucs aren't great against opposing centers. It's their one position of weakness. But I don't know. Valanciunas is probably too risky for a 10-game slate. And then, yeah, from the Bucs side, I think it's just Giannis. Um, John Henson in the last game, like I said, against the Raptors, wasn't playing in the fourth quarter because they went small ball. So I don't know. Maybe it's just matchup-oriented where these teams go small against each other. Um, and it should be a high-scoring game, but I guess it's kind of just priced in because the Raptors usually play high-scoring games anyway. All right, next game we have the Knicks at the Heat, and I think there's a couple interesting GPP plays here. From the Knicks side of the game, Kristaps Porzingis' price has gone down to 7800 I think it's around the cheapest he's been all year. There's reason for it. I'm not convinced that he's totally healthy. There's definitely narrative against him because he complained the other day about being really tired. So I think a lot of people are just going to write off Porzingis. So while I do think he's a little bit too risky for a cash game, with his price down at 7800 and people just kind of looking at the, oh, he's he's tired, he's complaining, I, I think that there's a lot of upside in that price. Once again, a little bit risky. But still, I think he's worth rostering in GPPs. And then from the Heat side of the game, kind of a similar type thing with Whiteside, where his price is only at 6700 on DraftKings. The minutes are not there consistently. Obviously, he only played, what was it, 18 minutes last game against the Pistons. He did get into early foul trouble, but foul trouble wasn't an issue for him in the second half. He finished the game with just three fouls. They just opted to not play him down the stretch at all. So... Whiteside, too risky for a cash game, but 6,700. We've seen him be in the mid-9,000 range uh, earlier this year and at points last year, so there's a lot of upside there. And then Goran Dragic also at 6,600. He's been really good the last couple of games. He has a much higher usage rating with Deion Waiters off the court this year. And then also the Knicks have been one of the worst teams at defending point guards in the league. I think that they're giving up the fourth or fifth most fantasy points to point guards. So there were some reports last game that Whiteside was complaining about his conditioning, that he was kind of tired last game. Kind of like Porzingis was, obviously Whiteside 
isn't going to be as publicized of a player as Porzingis is, especially in the New York market. But yeah, Whiteside, I think more, more of the reason that he didn't play as much uh, against the Pistons was because Olenek just destroyed Boban and the Heat just stuck with that matchup because it worked for them. Uh, Boban cannot guard perimeter players at all, so Olenek just gave the Heat a better chance to win. And I don't think there's anything like that in the matchup with the Knicks. Um, not that Ennis Kander's a good defender, but he can at least go to the perimeter and guard someone, unlike Boban. So it's not like Whiteside's going to get benched for the matchup in this game. Um, and I wasn't initially interested in Porzingis. I don't think he's a good independent play, and I probably wouldn't even use him for upside in GPPs alone. But since Whiteside and Drogic both are pretty clearly underpriced and both have a lot of upside, I think you could stack the three of those guys together and make either a mini game stack or maybe even throw in a couple other guys like Courtney Lee or maybe even Ennis Cantor or I don't know if there's anyone else really to use from the Heat, but Porzingis probably does make sense alongside uh, Drogic and Whiteside. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And next game, Phoenix at Spurs. The Phoenix side of the game is going to be a fade for me. From the Spurs side of the game, there's a ton of blowout risk. They're the biggest favorites on the slate. The Suns have laid a ton of duds this year. The Spurs with Kawhi are going to be one of the better teams in the league. But Kawhi's price still at 7600 There's a lot of upside there. So even though we do have concerns about the blowout risk, it's not like we were expecting 40 minutes from Kawhi anyway. So maybe instead of playing like the 31 minutes he played against the Knicks, he only plays like 26 or so. But that's really the downside for him. The upside is still he plays his 30-plus minutes against just a really shitty defense at a, at a depressed price. So 7600 I, I like Kawhi in this spot. Yeah, I think you, you said it well. Uh, Kawhi's minutes floor is still pretty high because we're comparing it to his minutes ceiling, which isn't that high anyway. So it, he won't lose that many minutes in a blowout. I think he probably plays 15 to 18 minutes in the first half. He'll play the third quarter regardless of the score. And if he doesn't end up playing the fourth, then maybe, yeah, he finishes 25 or 26 minutes, which wouldn't be a disaster at all since his price is 7600 and he's more like a nine or 10,000 player at full health. So I like Leonard a good amount. I think it would make sense, though, to use him with some Suns players for upside in general, but this is a pretty large slate. So I don't know. I couldn't even really name a Phoenix guy that I'd be that interested in using. Um, Devin Booker is really expensive, and it's just it's a bad matchup in San Antonio. So I don't know. Kawhi Leonard is probably the only guy to target from this game. Um, just looking at Dehante Murray's price, because he was really chalking on the last slate, um, and he was starting because the Spurs were resting some guys, uh, and he was at 4700 for that game. He's only at 4300 now, but yeah, I guess that's probably still too expensive because the Spurs are playing their regulars. Um, I don't know. I think I'll just leave it at Kawhi only for this game. All right, so moving to the next game, this is one that I actually think has a decent amount of stacking potential. That is the Chicago Bulls at the Dallas Mavericks. Chris Dunn, I just kind of think every game he ends up being a little bit too cheap. He finally had a weak game last time out, but it was in a tough matchup against the Raptors. He finished with 25 fantasy points. But before then, I mean, really consistently, he's been like mid-30s plus and with a ceiling in the 50s. So 7,100 for Chris Dunn in a plus matchup. I think it's a really good spot for him. Uh, Justin Holiday, he's been playing like 40 minutes a game over the last week and a half. So I think he's a fine play. Even, uh, let's see, maybe maybe take a chance. No, I think Meritich is a little bit too expensive. So the two guys who I'd really want to roster in a stack from the Bulls are Chris Dunn and Justin Holiday. And then from the Dallas side of the game, 
Dennis Smith Jr. has been playing uh, better recently and playing more minutes. 6,300 for him, I think, is fine. J.J. Beret at 5,300, I think, is in play. Wes Matthews at 4,700. And even Harrison Barnes at 6,600. The Bulls are not a good defensive team. They play at a decent pace. This game is a 212.5 point over-under, which is actually one of the higher ones on the slate. And just people are going to score for the Mavericks, and their most expensive player is Harrison Barnes at 6,600. That's, that's fairly cheap. Yeah, Wes Matthews is someone that, for whatever reason, finds his way into my lineups almost every day. Um, I don't know. I guess I like his upside for GPPs because he's a three-point shooter. Uh, and he has been pretty good recently. As far as the Mavericks point guards, though, I think Berea is the better play compared to Dennis Smith. Um, Smith plays more minutes, and he's probably a better player overall. But Berea is better per minute, and he's cheaper and their minutes should be roughly the same. I think they both play about half the game, but there is some overlap where the two of them are on the court together. Um, so for game stacks, I don't know. I'd want exposure to both of them, but I think I'd want to use Berea more with Barnes and with Matthews and with Dunn. And then I, I guess Justin Holiday I would use for game stacks, but I don't, I don't think I would use him elsewhere because, like you said, he's a fine play, and there are probably other guys that are better than fine plays since we have so many to choose from. But for game stacks, I think Holiday is okay. All right, and the next game, another game that I think is fairly stackable, the Utah Jazz at the Denver Nuggets from the Utah side of the game. I think Derek Favors is a fine play. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is okay for game stacks, but overall it's just the price is really high, so I would only use him in the case of a game stack. We're hoping for just a super high-paced game because that's probably what he needs to pay off his salary. And then we have Joe Ingles at 4,700, I think is fine. Joe Johnson at 3,600, I think is interesting just because he played... He played 30 minutes in their last game against the Pelicans. So if we're going to see Joe Johnson around 30 minutes again tonight at 3,600, I think that he's a pretty good value play. From the Denver side of the game, Trey Lyles has just been really good. Over It's been like a month now that he's hit value almost every single game, and his price just hasn't moved that much. He's up to 5,400, which while that is more expensive than he's been, it's still too cheap for me given that he's averaging – uh, about 30 fantasy points per game or so over his last 10 games. And there's a lot of upside. Jokic at 8,800. He was having a pretty good game against the Jazz the last time they played and then got ejected. Uh, I can't remember either, like, I think maybe early or mid-third quarter or something like that. And then beyond that, uh, Will Barton, his price is down a little bit, but he's he's sick right now. So I think it's a little bit of a concern. And that could lead to more minutes for guys like Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Because even if Barton plays, it seems like he's less than 100% right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm kind of off Will Barton. I think I would only use uh, Murray and Harris in game stacks, though, because they are a little bit pricey. I think the core would definitely be Jokic and Lyles. Um, and then Wilson Chandler also, I think, is probably a good play. Uh, Mason Plumley at 4,400, I think, is a good play, too. But there's got to be some negative correlation there between him and Jokic and Lyles. Like, I don't really see a route where the three of them could all have really big games. It's happened a couple times this year, but they definitely have negatively correlated minutes, at least. Um, the Nuggets aren't playing all three of them on the court at the same time. So, I don't know. If you want if you want to use Plumlee, I think it would have to be in lineups that don't include both Jokic and Lyles. But I think you could do Jokic and Plumlee or Lyles and Plumlee. Um, he would be my third favorite guy in the front court, but I definitely think he's worth playing. And then for Utah, I think Favors and Hood are the guys to use the most for the core of a game stack. Uh, Joe Johnson, I think, is fine too. But Joe Ingles, he's kind of just a safe play. I was, we, we were looking through his box score before we started, and he kind of just is around hitting value every game and plays secure minutes. But 
he never really has huge games, and Rodney Hood is kind of the opposite. That's more of a boom-bust pick. So Hood's probably the better GPP play, and he's coming off a really bad game his last time out, so he could be pretty low-owned too. Um, so I'll say it's mostly Jokic, Lyles, Hood favors, but I think there are plenty of other guys you could use around around those players. And then, yeah, just overall, I agree with you. This is a really strong stack spot. It's probably the best stack spot of the night. And even though it's not the highest total, um, it's only at 207.5. It actually opened at 205. So in just a couple hours, the line's already jumped 2.5 points. And I guess this is partly because Rudy Gobert is out. But uh, for whatever reason, the sharp money thinks this game should be a little high scoring a little higher scoring than Vegas did. So I, that, that's always a good sign for game stacks. All right. The next game on the slate, this is a fade for me. Washington Wizards at Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies played a slow pace. Both these teams are pretty good on defense. And I don't really think there's any value on any of the players in this game. Yeah, I think we can just move past this game immediately because uh, just scanning the players here. But I don't know. John Wall still kind of cheap. But yeah, not a great matchup. So uh, this is probably just a fade. All right, the next game is the Atlanta Hawks at the Portland Trailblazers. From the Hawks' side of the game, really tough matchup for them. The Trailblazers are uh, sixth in defensive efficiency this year. Atlanta, not a particularly good team. They have, I think it's the worst record in the NBA right now. So Dennis Schroeder at 7,000. I, I think that if you had to roster somebody, he would be the guy. There is a little bit of upside there. Just because he plays so many minutes, he has a really high usage rating. So I think that he is okay to play at 7,000. From the Portland side of the game, I think Damian Lillard makes for a decent GPP play. Still at 8,500 and a really plus matchup for him. And then beyond that, I think Al Farouk Aminu is usable. He's at 4,700, and he's been playing a lot of minutes over the last couple weeks. Yeah, I think Aminu and Lillard for sure from the Blazers side. But I also think Torian Prince could be in play from the Hawks side. He put up a really big dud at really high ownership in his last game. He only had 21 fantasy points. But his production just is way too good for what his price has been. Uh, there was a while where he was in the 6,000s, but now he's down into the mid-5,000s. Um, and he's had a couple 40-plus fantasy point games. He had a 50-plus game uh, a couple games ago. So even though it's a bad matchup, I think Torian Prince would actually be my preferred choice over Schroeder. But I don't really think I like anyone too much from this game. All right, final game on the slate is the Charlotte Hornets at the L.A. Lakers. From the Hornets' side of the game, uh, they've gotten pretty expensive, actually. I think Dwight Howard and Kemba Walker, I'd say, are fine as GPP plays. But there really isn't a ton of upside in their price. It's just more that the matchup is so favorable that I'd consider using them. But they're both well above 8000 now. From the Lakers' side of the game, the issue with the Lakers right now is they have everybody healthy. So, well, we don't know about Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is questionable, but their entire front court is healthy. So they have Randall, they have Nance, they have Lopez, uh, they have Kuzma. So all of them, just the minutes are too spread out to find value on any single one of them. And then from the backcourt, even if Lonzo Ball comes back, it's safe to assume he's limited. If he's out, then it's still just really spread minutes between Tyler Ennis and Jordan Clarkson, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So kind of regardless of who's in or out, despite a really high point total for this game, I'm, I'm going to be off the Lakers. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think I'm off this game in general, even though it does have, I think it is the highest total of any game on the slate. It's right up there with the Bucks raptors game. But yeah, the Lakers minutes are too spread out. They're really unpredictable. It's the last game of the night. So I guess Lonzo Ball is supposed to play, but we won't know for sure that he's playing. 
Um, if we knew that Lonzo Ball was starting and playing full minutes, I think he would probably be a decent play, but there's definitely a lot of risk there. And then, yeah, the Hornets guys are priced up, so I don't know. This should be a high-scoring game, but I don't think there's really any value here at all. Yeah, and then I, I just find it really unlikely that they're going to give Lonzo Ball full minutes, given that he hasn't played. Uh, when was the last time he played? Let's see. His last game was, it was last year. It was December 23rd. Full oh, year ago. Yeah. That was a good language <laughs> trick that you just did there, because I was like, wait a minute. Lonzo Ball has played this season. What are you talking about, Greg? He hasn't played for a year. He played last time he played was 2017. Yeah, true. It is true. Uh, so that will wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBergDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And have a good weekend, and we'll be back for Monday Slate.